go. Well, hope I don't lose it. There you go. Thank you. And there's your water. Mm. Let us. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. One thing about deputation, you know, you have to get up and say something about what God has called you to do, but you so just want to get into talking about how much he is so worthy. And you just want to get right into all about Jesus, more about Jesus, more about his word, more of his grace, more of his love. But God has called me and my family into ministry. And I will say, uh, testify more about what God has done in my life personally, um, how he saved me, which is the most important thing about me, is the day that God saved my soul. Um, but my, me and my family are on deputation. My name is Daniel Pearson. Um, my wife is Tierra Pearson. Um, my daughter, Soraya, and Sydney, the two that were just up here singing. And then my boys, Daniel, David, and Darius. Um, by God's grace, he has called us into the ministry. Um, we are, our desire is to plant the Lord's church in the inner city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we are going to go to Cincinnati, Brother Glenn, and we're going to preach the same message you preached this morning. Uh, we're going to preach the gospel. Uh, we are seeking to see souls get saved, see souls enter into the kingdom, see lives change, see See homes change, see marriages change, see children change, and we believe that that is only done by the gospel, not by politicians, not by refurbishing a community, uh, refurbishing a ghetto, uh, putting more money into um, the, 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 the community. No, we see only one way to change communities, only one way to change neighborhoods. Only one way to stop the violence, and that's not to amend the Second Amendment. That is to see souls come to know Jesus Christ. That is the way of change that I, I so desire to see in our community. We want to plant the Lord's church. I don't want to be just a church planner. Don't know what God will do in my life to direct me, but the church that we are going and seeking to plant I want to desperately pastor. I desire to pastor. Um, Paul said it's a good thing when a man desires the office of a bishop, and I so desire to pastor his church. Um, so that is our desire. That is our goal. That is our mission. With that being said, let us stand now in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read Isaiah 55. And I pray by the end of this message, you know more about the Jesus who saved me and more about the man he has turned me into um, and the family he has given me by his grace. So Isaiah 55 this morning, I feel like a parrot because I'm just going to parrot everything Brother Glenn said this morning. And that is the way the gospel should be preached. There is no other gospel. If an angel from heaven comes and preaches another gospel, let him be a curse. Yes. I don't care if his name is Gabriel or Michael. He preached another gospel, he is a curse. I am being a parrot this morning. Nothing new under the sun, just that old, old gospel message. Let us read this morning Isaiah 55. We'll start with verse number 1. It says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that have no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do, you, do ye, all of ye, ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. 
Behold, behold, that means look, behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not. The na- and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he have glorified thee. And seek ye, now verse 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I just have to read the next verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn, instead of the thorn, shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Your word is better than anything I can ever say, anything I can ever think of, any other, any great opinion or great thought that I think I could ever have, any man could ever imagine having. Lord, your word is much better. Your word is sure. Your word has been tested. Your word has proven true. Your word continues to be proven true. It will never stop being proven true. No man can prove it false. No man can poke a hole in it. No man can find a, 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 a contradiction in it, Lord. It is consistent. It is committed. It is going to p- fulfill exactly what you have said because it is your word. You are true. You said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, Lord, your word is true. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, your complete word. We're not missing anything. There's nothing lost. There's nothing, there's not one period missing. There's not one comma missing. There's not one now. No, no, not one pronoun. No, there's not one verb, Lord. There's nothing out of place. Your word is complete. Your word is here. It is closed. And it is revealed to us. Thank you for your word. It's precious to us, Lord. It's what we need. Above all else, above all that we think we need, your word is what we need the most. Touch us this morning. Speak to us this morning. Let your spirit have its way in our midst. Let your presence be felt this morning, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Here this morning... The title of our message is A Radical Invitation. A Radical Invitation. The word radical is a a word that can be used in many different ways. It can mean serious. It can mean severe. It can mean thorough. It can mean mean far-reaching. Radical. Anybody ever felt radical? About the Lord. Just wanting to be radical for him. Wanting to be serious about him. 
Brother Glenn, I can feel how serious you were, you are about the Lord this morning. This, the, the first point I want to make this morning is a, a, a radical proclamation. The Isaiah here, our writer, he uses this word, ho, ho. It's a serious proclamation, a radical proclamation. This is a dire call for everyone to hear this radical invitation. He wants to get your attention. He wants to get my attention. He wants to get Israel's attention in the context that freedom is on its way. The deliverance is on the way. That's what the end of the chapter is about. He wants to get the Gentiles' attention. Yes, there was messages to the Gentiles in the Old Testament. Verses 4 and 5 really speaks of that. There'll be a nation that you don't know it's not shall come. This is speaking of the Gentiles that will come one day. This is a, a series. He's getting everybody's attention. This is like the old movies you used to watch. You used to see the man come, and he say, hear ye, hear ye. Right? It's Cinderella. They used to, the, the man came, hear ye, hear ye. We got the golden shoe, right? The Cinderella shoe. And we're looking for the one who can fit the shoe. Hear ye, hear ye. The man who makes the proclamation for the king. In those days when that man came to speak, everybody came to sit down and listen. Because if you didn't listen to the king's proclamation, you may lose your head. Right? So hear ye, hear ye. Or you can think of it in more of the 40s and 50s. Extra, extra, read all about it. Right? The newspaper boy used to be outside. Extra, extra, read all about it. Everybody goes to get the newspaper. Or today, you, you, some of you are young enough to remember this. Um, I remember watching the, I can't remember what it was. It was, a, it was a basketball game. Yeah, it was a basketball game. I'm into the basketball game, and then breaking news came across my screen. And this white Bronco was just driving down the road. Anybody remember the white Bronco? O.J. Simpson. He's running from the law. I'm like, what is this? I don't want to hear about O.J. Simpson running down the street in a white Bronco. Put back on the basketball game. Breaking news, right? This is what Isaiah is saying. Ho! I have breaking news today. Ho! Extra, extra, read all about it. Ho! Hear ye, hear ye, the king wants to speak to you. He says, ho, then we see a, a radical proposition. Everyone that thirsteth. I looked in the Strong's Concordance. I said, what does everyone mean? You know what it meant? Everyone. I looked in the Hebrew. I looked in the Hebrew, but I like to look up Hebrew words. I looked at the Hebrew word. I was like, what does everyone mean? You know what I found? It meant everyone. I looked at that good old Western dictionary. You know Wester. Everybody knows Wester. Daniel Wester. And you know what I found everyone meant? Everyone. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. He makes a proposition to us. This is a far-reaching, a radical proposition. This is far-reaching for Old Testament times. He said everyone. He's talking to everyone. I love something about God's word. Everywhere you find come, you'll never find a specific person. You'll never find um, come, you black people. Or come, you white people. Or come, uh, come you Jew. Or come, you Gentile. No, you find everyone. Jew and Gentile alike. Come, everyone. You don't find come, you rich people. Or come, you poor people. Or come, you sick people. You see, come to the water and drink, as the verse said this morning. Come, all you who are heavy laden. You don't find a specific group of people. You find it to everyone. And you know what everyone is? Thirsty. Whether you realize it or not. You're all thirsty. But let me go back to this point, because that point's coming. A radical proposition here. The Bible ends with this radical proposition. I want you to understand that. Revelation 22, verse 17. 
The ending of the Bible comes with this radical proposition. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Nothing behind it. Just come. And, and let, every, let him that heareth say, come. That means everyone, you, you heard it, you go say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So we see a radical proposition here. But then we see a radical problem. This is the severe problem. This is severe. This is a severe problem. The brother spoke on it all morning. All humans aren't coming. Every pew in this church is not filled. All humans are not coming. That's a radical problem. That's a serious problem. That's a severe problem. Many are coming. Many are coming. But they're not drinking. He says, come. Come, all ye who are thirsty. Come ye to the waters. But everyone who's coming to the waters are not drinking, right? They say it probably out here as well. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Right? They're, they're coming. Why not? Why, why are not everyone that's coming drinking? Why is all humans not coming? Because all humans don't see how thirsty they really are. You don't see how thirsty you really are. And this is a radical thirst that we have. This thirst is radical. It's a severe thirst. Many Americans are thirsty today, not because they lack money. No, I know the I know the 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 market is not the way we'd like it to be right now, but we're not lacking any money in America. I know it maybe in some maybe the twenty percent pockets more than the eighty percent pockets. I get it, but Americans aren't lacking money today. We're not lacking food today. Oh no, no, I, I tend to throw a lot of food out at the end of the month out of my fridge. I don't know about you. I tend to find things that expired in my um, back in the chambers of my food pantry too too often. You ever found like food just expired? You're like, what have I been doing, wasting this food? I, I don't think Americans are lacking food. I don't think Americans are lacking money today. I don't think Americans are, are, are lacking much water today. No, no, we have a lot of water. We put it in bottles. That's a lot of water. Uh, this, this, is, this is not our radical problem. No, but our radical problem is a spiritual thirst. thirst. They have a thirst. Americans, we have a thirst in their soul, in our souls, that nothing in the physical world can ever satisfy. There's not enough water in this world to quench your thirst. There's not enough water in your soul, in this world, to quench the, thir- the, the thirst of your soul. And this world is made up of mostly water. You ever been to the lakes? You ever been to these big freshwater lakes? Thousands of gallons of water. I could go get all the fresh water in this world. You will still not be satisfied. There's not enough water in this world to satisfy your soul. And Christian, don't think you're exempt. No, you might have came in this morning thinking, oh, I tasted a scene that the Lord is good. But I tell you, your soul gets thirsty too. Amen. Let us never think that we are quenched so fully, so full of ourselves spiritually that we forget, like David said, so panic, so as the heart panic after the waters, so panic my soul for thee. Yes. We should be longing for more of Jesus. Yes. We should be thirsting for more of Jesus daily, not weekly, not weekly, daily. We should thirst after him. Oh, this is a radical, severe problem we have in our country. But then we see a radical, radical imperatives, radical commands. These are serious commands in verse number, verse number one. We saw first whole. The serious proclamation. Everyone that thirsteth, the serious, the radical proposition. Come ye to the waters. Everyone doesn't want to come. We see a severe problem. 
And he, here we see the radical commandments. And he that have no money, come ye. Buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I love this. We can call this a fourfold imperative. Imperatives are commands. Indicatives are promises in the Bible. Imperatives is God's telling you this is what you're going to do. I'm commanding you. See, God, is the, he's not saying, oh, please, would you please come? Would you please come and get to know me? No, no, no. He says, come. That's a command. It's like you tell your child, come, Sarai, come here. Daniel, come here. I'm commanding them. I'm not asking. Daddy's not begging. No, no, this is imperative. This is a command. Each, each imperative comes with a blessing, though. We're going to see that in a minute. But first he says, come for the waters. Oh, I love these waters. Like I said, it's not physical. Everybody took a shower in the last 24 hours? I did. Praise the Lord. Great shower, too. Great shower, brother. Um, warm, too. Warm, too. No cold. No, no. No cold. Right? We take showers. Why do we take showers? To clean the outside of our bodies, right? We want to be clean on the outside. We want to, we want to get all the dirt off. This water, it, it doesn't clean the outside. No, 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 no. That, that'll come, but it doesn't clean the outside. This water that Jesus is offering us, Isaiah's offering us, it's, it's going to clean the inside. It's going to clean up the soul. I, I came, if, uh, now I can share my testimony. Uh, I came to water one day. Uh, 2006, some 16 years ago now, I came to church. I just came. I didn't come for the water, but I came. Uh, I came because Mama Rose, she, she raised me in church. She dragged me to church. I hated church on Bengal football Sundays because that meant we get out about 1.15. I was going to miss about 45 minutes of the game. I hated that. Um, but, but I came. At 19 years old, I came to church. My mom didn't make me. I just came because it's what I knew. It's religious. Just going through the motions. You know, I, I haven't been in a while, so I need to do, I need to, I need to bless God with my presence. That's what I did. I came to bless him with my presence. I didn't come looking for the sun. I came to be seen. I sat in the back of church like usual. No offense to anybody in the back. But I sat in the back because I didn't want anyone to see me doing this. I didn't want them to see my head going like that all message. That would just not be a good look for me. I, I, it's all about me, right? Look at me, right? Um, I want to be seen. I want to seem like I'm a good boy. I came in the church with gold teeth in my mouth. Gold teeth. Not gold teeth. I had gold teeth. I, I was trying to be like the hip-hop artist that I worship. I had my pants down to my ankles, like everyone else in my generation, everyone else I lived around. I was just another parrot. I was a clone. I did what everyone else was doing. I was on the hot road to hell. I know it's just the outside, but the outside represents the inside. Uh, my vanity was my hair. I had long, I was a dread head. I had long dreads. My hair was longer than my wife's. I have to say it because my kids know I would say it. It was my vanity. It was, it was, look at me. I'm so much of a thug. I, I'm so hip. I'm so hard. And that morning, Jesus said, come. And he commanded me. And like the brother said, it was the spirit drawing me. Uh, if you ask me that morning, Daniel, why are you coming up front? I said, I don't know. It was something that possessed me. I was possessed. <laughs> I know we look at that in a bad way, but I was possessed by the Spirit. He grabbed a hold of me. And he dragged me to the altar. You would ask me that morning, why are you crying? I didn't want to cry. I was a thug. I wanted to look hard for the girls. What is this? What is these tears? What's going on with me? God was waking me up. He spoke to my heart. Uh, no, I didn't hear him uh, speak audibly, Daniel. I didn't hear any of that. But through the gospel message, 
I heard Jesus say, come, and I came. And I gave my life to Jesus. He changed my life. He cleaned me up from the inside. It was the inside working of the waters. It was truly me taking my first spiritual bath. And I tell you, we get them often. We need them often. But that day, he saved me. He changed my life. Nothing has been the same ever since that day. Nothing. It's a great change. Then he told me, he told us here, the second commandment, then buy and eat. I like that. Buy and eat. If you buy it, you will eat it, correct? I know we waste a lot of food, but really, if you spend a good amount of money on some food, you buy it, you eat it. You buy it for your children, you're going to eat it. That brother made steak for us. Oh, good steak. I haven't had a good meal all week because I had stomach issues all week. Great steak. I looked at my kids. I said, that's some good steak. This is, the best. this is better than any chicken nugget you can get at McDonald's or Wendy's or anything. You're going to eat. God is commanding, buy it, eat it. In Proverbs, he says, buy truth and sell it not. Buy it and eat it. I remember growing up as a kid, for my birthday, the, my dad used to take me to 76. I don't know if you guys have any 76s out here. They used to be very popular in the Midwest, now they're like gone. Um, but it was an owner there, he used to, he used to, Give me all the pieces of candy I could get, about 20 pieces. He used to take me to the register. He used to kind of check me out, you know. And, and I'm not buying it, really. I'm not, I don't have any money. But for my birthday, he's like, I'm going to fake, like I'm checking you out, and it's yours. It, God didn't say bring any money, right? He said, and he that have no money... Come ye, buy, and eat. We're buying that which we don't have money for, and we must eat it. I tell you this morning, God is commanding you and me to eat up this book, to buy this book. Though you have no money for the riches in this book, though you have no money for the blessings that are coming, that come down from God, the God of lights, and changeth not. All his gifts are good. He's telling you, buy them and eat them. Oh, consume this book. Oh, don't let this book sit on your, or on your, or your dashboard until next Sunday. Yes. Buy and eat. Then he says, come. Then come for the wine. I love the wine. The wine is, the Song of Solomon says, the wine makes the heart cheerful. It makes the heart merry. And God is saying, take of that which makes your heart rejoice. Take of that which makes your heart merry. And I tell you, all of the word of God will make you merry. Even the hard things will make your heart merry. Even the things you don't truly understand completely will make your heart merry. By the spirit of God. It's the wine that preserves And I like that because the the wine preserves that, right? It preserves. You put new wine in new bottles, and it preserves. It preserves that bottle. Oh, I tell you what. I do believe in the security of the saints. God preserves his people. He keeps his people. He says those who are mine are in my hand, and not even the devil can pluck them out. You can never. I heard one preacher say it this way. The light that God has put in you, we, we sing the little song, um, don't let Satan blow it out. What are we singing? How can the devil ever blow out what God has lit? God has lit a light in your heart for his gospel, for his word. The devil can never blow out what he has lit. You just better not put a bustle over it. That's something you can do. But the devil can never blow out the light that God has lit in you. So it's the wine that preserves. He says, take of it. Then he says, the milk. I like the milk. The milk speaks of riches. God's riches. Think of Jacob. Think of Joshua. 
when he saw that land, that promised land, full of milk and honey. That's the way he described it. It was rich with milk. It was rich with honey. I tell you, God has made me the richest man on this earth. Every since the day he saved my soul. Before the day I was saved, I didn't want a wife. Okay, I didn't want a wife. I wanted to do what most men in my generation was doing, and that was having many wives. We believe in, we believe in um, polygamy, okay? Even though we may not marry many wives in most neighborhoods, even though it may be still legal in America, um, but I tell you, it's the reason why people have many baby mamas. They have many baby daddies. Because they're living that endless roller coaster of fornication. Fornication, right? They don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Fornicators go to hell as well as the homosexuals. And I was on that road. I was living that life, and I was going down that road. I didn't, that was not on my bucket list to get married to Tierra Pearson. But by God's grace, I met her in 2008 at a Wendy's. I call her my little chocolate shake, a chocolate, chocolate frosty. Frosty, they have frosties, not shakes. That day I ordered chicken nuggets, and that day I ordered her phone number. And by God's grace, he gave me the chicken nuggets and her phone number. But she wasn't, she wasn't saved. We was like oil and water. We didn't mix. I was a newbie, so new Christians, they're a little bit, how can I say, not mature. A little bit of Pharisaic in me back then, not enough grace. I thought I could save her. Oh, I'm going to get this woman saved. Anybody ever been there? I'm going to get this person saved. I'm going to get them. They're going to be my wife. She's going to be saved. God said, boy, you can't save nobody. You didn't save yourself. Who hung on that cross? Who rose from that grave? Who are you? So we broke up. I was heartbroken, but we broke up. But in God's time, in his time, he drew her back to me. Drew her to church with me, and he saved her on one beautiful Sunday morning. I can't speak of the water that he cleaned her with, but I believe it was the same water he cleaned me with. I didn't see the filth that went down the drain that day when he saved her soul, but I saw the difference it made in her life. He changed her. Twelve years we've been married. I didn't dream of it. It wasn't on my bucket list, but it's God's grace. By his grace, he gave us five children, Sariah, Sydney, Daniel, and David. If you would, raise your hand. And Darius. Back to back to back, little break, back, little break, back. We have a 10-year-old, 9-year-old, 8-year-old, 5-year-old, and a 2-month-old. It's God's grace. I didn't desire children. It wasn't on my bucket list. I was selfish just like everyone else in this generation. I was as pro-choice. Even though I didn't wear a ribbon, I didn't walk in no marches, I didn't say I'm pro-choice, I didn't make that proclamation, but I was selfish. I was self-centered. I knew what kids take out of your pocket. A lot of money. I wanted my money for me. Oh, if I had the opportunity, I would have probably chosen abortion because it was all about me, not about God. But it's grace. The home you see I have, God has made me the richest man I could ever imagine. But it was his grace, not me. It was the water, not me. It was the milk, not me. It was the wine, not me. It's God's grace. I tell you, God does it. He doesn't take long to save a man. He doesn't take long to change a man. It's like that. We are new creatures like that. Old things are passed away like that. Don't listen to this generation that tells you, oh, God, it takes a little while. I know we sing the song, he's still working on me. It's a good song, but it don't take that long. He didn't put us in the slow cooker. It's the microwave, okay? Quick, fast food. The spirit moves, you're quicken. 
You who are dead are quickened. We're changed in the twinkling of an eye. God saves. He gives a new desire, a new heart, a new mind. I praise his name for it. So then, let me hasten here. We see a radical waste. Verse number two, a radical waste. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Here we see two persuasive questions Isaiah confronts everyone with. Why waste your money? Why are you wasting your money? And why are you wasting your energy? Why are you wasting your money? Why are you wasting your labor, your energy? Proverbs tells us this. Hell and man are never satisfied. Hell will never say, I have no vacancies. <laughs> it's always open. Every day, men and women are entering hell, which is the most heartbreaking thought to ever have. And every day, men, women, boys, and girls are wasting, wasting away, trying to satisfy their hearts with that which cannot satisfy. He says, it's a waste here, a radical waste. A dreadful waste. Oh, so we waste our money, our goods, our time, our energy on that, will, that which will never satisfy because we are never satisfied. Drinking, sports, clothing, relationships, they will never satisfy us. Ever. We can keep trying. Keep, keep trying. Just keep on trying. And you will find in your life that the jobs will always get old. The food will always run out. The money will never be enough. The girls will never satisfy. The boys will never like you enough. You will always be unsatisfied. We're like these thirsty travelers who are traveling through the Badlands. They got lost. Their car got broke down. They were walking for 13 hours in the Badlands, hot, hot, and thirsty. They were so hot and so thirsty, they felt like they were going to die. But then they came to a city. And there was two sellers, two business owners in that city. There was one business owner. He had out lemonade, pink lemonade. He had out sweet tea. He had out ice water. He had out, he had a room with AC in it. And he said on his building, free as charge to all weary travelers. But then the second owner in, the, in this town, he had on his, on his building a room of heat. In this room, you can enter all the heat you can want, but it costs you $5 an hour. He had on his table salt dust, sand dust, spoiled milk. Things that could never satisfy. And these weary travelers, they looked at the man, they had everything for free, and they said, I don't want that. And they looked at the man who had the heat, the heat blazing in the 100 degree weather. Heat is blazing, and that was going to charge them $10 an hour. And he had cups of salt dust, cups of spoiled milk, and cup of sand dust for $5 a cup. And they went over there and they chose to drink that sand dust. And they chose to drink that salt. And they chose to drink that spoiled milk. And they chose to sit in that hot room. And I tell you, that homeowner today, he's still alive and he's well. And his name is the devil. And he's offering all weary travelers, come on over here. I'll keep you warm till the hell heat cuts on. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll feed you with the spoiled milk until you can never get enough of it. And yes, you will never be satisfied, but I got enough. You just got to keep paying for it. Just spend your money here. Keep laboring for that which will never satisfy you. While the, 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 the homeowner over here, the business owner over here, Jesus the Christ, he stands there and says, I got free AC. I got freedom from the heat of hell. I got the freedom from your unsatisfied heart. Just come drink. Just come drink of the living waters that will gush out of you forevermore. 
Oh, Jesus says, come. Come. Why waste? Why waste your life on that which will never satisfy? There's a radical listening. Look at verse 2, the end of verse 2. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. Oh, God wants us attentive. I pray you have been attentive this morning. God wants us sitting forward, paying attention. That's what he's saying here, hearken. That means being attentive. You know, many kids, many kids are going to go to hell because they never hearkened in church. They never paid any attention to the preacher. That, that was me. I got my best sleep in church. I could care less what that pastor was talking about. I was not attentive. There was a day we made kids sit, still sit up, pay attention. Oh, let us, let us, let us pay attention to this moment here. He didn't, he didn't say, do what you please when I'm talking to you. He didn't say, go ahead, play on the iPad while I talk to you. He didn't say, play on your phone while I talk to you. He didn't say, check out your social media while I talk to you. No, he said, hearken. Incline. Hear. Those are verbs. Those things that we need to do. Radical listening. Oh, when you radically listen, you go from eating with the pigs to eating at the Father's table. When you go, when you listen, you go from, from buying the devil's heat to buying Jesus' AC. When you go from um, listening, from not listening to listening, you go from eating slop to eating good. I see fatness here. It's a good time to be fat. When you're under God's word, it's good to take as much as you can. Eat up, eat up, eat up. Then we see a radical promise. I'm almost done. A radical promise. Verse 3. Look at the end of verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. I like that word, mercies. That mercies word gets me excited. Oh, if you listen and come to God, your soul shall live. That's a promise, not might, not maybe, not sorta. You shall live. Your soul shall live. Your soul is dead right now if you haven't came to Jesus. It's dead. I don't know what you know about dead people, but they don't do much. But right now, your soul's dead. But when you hear, when you hearken, when you incline, when you hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, your soul shall live. Then he says, the sure mercies of David, that's peace of Jesus Christ. This is a covenant of mercy we are under. This is a disposition of mercy. This is an everlasting commitment and an everlasting Christ. This is a commitment of mercy. This is from the God of mercy. Um, there was once a man, he, he went to get a picture, picture done. He got all good looking, took his shower, got his good cologne on, put a little blush on. He went to get the picture done. He sat there, got the pictures done. Two weeks later, the pictures came in the mail. He looked at the picture and said, he went to the photographer. He was upset, angry with the pictures. He came to that photographer. He said, you need to do me justice. This doesn't do me justice. The photographer looked at the picture. He said, brother, you don't need justice. You need mercy. Oh, I'll tell you today. We don't need justice. We don't need justice at all. We need mercy for the Lord on high. We need mercy from God. I love the way Lamentation says it. His mercies are new every day. I thought about that one day. I said, why is his mercy new every day? Because I use every ounce of his mercy every day. There's no mercy left over from yesterday. I know this heart of mine. I know these wicked thoughts of mine. Oh, I use all that mercy up. I need new mercy every day. You need new mercy every day. 
Don't try to live off the mercy of your kid, of your childhood. Don't try to live off the mercy of when you were baptized. Don't try to live off the mercy of yesterday. No, no, we need new gas in our tank every day. New mercy every day. This is the sure mercies of David. Then lastly, I promise lastly, I know how Paul, I'm, I'm like Paul. Paul saying fight only and then he'll write two more chapters. <laughs> so I'm sure lastly, and I'll put these two points together. We see a radical warning and a radical repentance. Seek ye the Lord, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him. While he is near. This is a radical warning to all of you today and to myself. But to you who are lost, especially you who are lost. There's a twin imperative here. I told you imperative is a command. Here comes a twinned one. This is a twin threat. He says, seek and call. But this is the warning. While he may be found. While he is near. What a warning. What a warning. I know we hear the doctrine that God will always love you. God will always be there for you. That's not true. That's not true. This is the inspired scripture. And he says, while he may be found. That means there's coming a time God may not be found for you. There's coming a time he may not be near. You may call, God save me, and it's too late. You may say, after, you, after the church is raptured, you may say, Lord, I see now, and he's going to say, it's too late. There is no left behind. Don't believe the movie. When this age is, when this dispensation is, it's over. The church, the church age is done. The grace, the mercy, the come, the come, the come is done. There will be no more come, come. The hand will be down. Wrath will be here. God will have his vengeance on those who crucify him daily and deny his cross and step on his blood like it's nothing. And throw his gospel to the side when they hear it. And say, I will not come. I refuse to come. I reject your command. And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Come while he is near. Call upon him while he can be found. Psalm 32 verse 6 says, Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto thee. This is a radical invitation. But there's a radical repentance. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. The time is now. The hour is now. Says, let the wicked forsake his way. You know what forsake means? It means run. It doesn't mean oh, I'm gonna hold on to this just a little bit longer. Doesn't mean oh, this is my three sins. Okay, I'm gonna take this one. And I'm gonna go. No, no, no. It says forsake your wicked way. Run from your wicked way. Turn from your wicked way and go, run, seek Christ. Seek him in your car if you got to. Seek him in the bathroom if you got to. Seek him on the altar if you got to. But seek the Lord today. And forsake your thoughts. Your wicked, he says your unrighteous thoughts. That's a, that, I feel like that's a command to us believers as much as the non-believer. Forsake your evil thoughts. Let there not be any evil thoughts in you. I tell you, we're so far fallen, we can never get ourselves up. It will only take the grace of God. And thank God for his grace. It's his grace that can save you today. God is the but God God. And this is the but God book. Adam and Eve sinned, but God gave a promise of a seed. 
Cain killed Abel, but God raised up Seth. God was going to destroy the whole world, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jacob was going to die from a famine, but God put Joseph in the White House, if I can say it that way. Uh, Israel was in slavery for 400 years, but God called Moses. Israel was sad and broken. Moses, the servant of God, is dead, but God called Joshua. Uh, Ichabod came over Israel. No glory in, in Israel, but God called Samuel. Oh, the walls was down. The walls was too high. The walls were too big, but God knocked down the walls of Jericho. Uh, Rahab was in the same place where the walls were falling, but God kept up her wall, and the judgment of God didn't fall on her. Oh, the walls of Israel were down. They were burning. They were on fire. But God called Nehemiah, gave him a burden to build the walls back up. Saul, the first king of Israel, he went rogue. He did his own thing. I'm made man now. I'm not little man anymore. But God found the little shepherd boy in the field and called the greatest king of Israel history. Oh, Daniel got put in a lion's den. But God closed the mouth of the lions. God went silent for 400 years. 400 years, not a word from God. But then Jesus became the word. The word became flesh. No, he didn't become the word. Jesus is the word, and he became flesh. And he came to dwell with man. And man knew him not, but yet he still came. Uh, many people were sick. Lazarus was dead, but Jesus raised him from the grave. Uh, man wanted to stone him at every turn, but he healed our iniquities. He healed our infirmities. He healed our sicknesses. Man nailed him on the cross. Yeah, he cried, Father, forgive them. But he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man put him in the grave. The devil thought he won. The devil thought it was over. I got the victory over that Jesus. But God raised him from the grave. Glory to God, he is alive today. And I tell you, the world seems wicked. The world seems like it's going its own way. But Jesus is on his way. He that come, let him come. And he will not tarry. He's coming. Oh, he's coming. Trust him today. This is a but God. I don't know your situation, but I know a God. I don't know your situation, but God can step in it. I don't know how far lost you think you are, that you're too far gone for God. But I know God who is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. And he's great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Thank you for your words. Oh, Lord, your word is better than I can ever articulate it. Your word is better than any man can ever put in a, in a, in a systematic theology, in an order, Lord. Amen. Your word is just so explosive. It just gets everywhere. And I pray, Lord, today it got all over us. And I pray it's all over all our minds and all our hearts for the rest of our lives, Lord. Amen. That we would know that there's a God in heaven who's calling us to come. And there's a God in heaven who says, come and drink, come and eat. You don't need no money. You don't need no, you don't, this is your invitation. You don't need no special card. You don't need no special background. You don't need no PhD. You say, come, Lord, and Lord, I say, let us come. Oh, let us come and drink. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this radical invitation. Oh, Lord, let someone obey that command today. While you can be found, while you are near, come. Oh, Lord, let someone come. We say come quickly, Lord. Thank you for this blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, brother, that's what I'll be preaching in my community. Amen. Yeah. that. All right, I have a song of invitation, Mr. Pam and Brother Tim, come. And as the invitation went out, come. And I don't think it was uh, a 
think we talked about the providence. Well, we now understand the providence of God. God had Brother Pearson here with the message he did today. Amen. Brother Pearson don't know you. Brother Pearson don't know who the members of this church is and don't know who the visitors are. Brother Pearson don't know who claims Christ and who don't claim Christ. God gave him the message for this day through Brother Pearson to let you know, oh, it's not, it's just old Brother Bell. He knows, Brother Bell knows my story. Brother Bell knows where I'm at. Brother Bell's picking on me with that message. But Brother Bell didn't preach. Brother Pearson preached. Brother Bell didn't tell Brother Pearson anything about you. So if, if the Holy Spirit dealt with your heart, and when he said, and he spoke to your sin, and the Holy Spirit is telling you to come, it wasn't because Brother Bell told Brother Pearson anything about you. You say, well, that's like the preacher know me. <laughs> the preacher's just preaching the word. God knows you. God just spoke with the preacher. And as, 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 as Brother Pearson preached, come. And if the Holy Spirit is saying, come, all ye that are heavy, or that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. As the song sings, the Holy Spirit, as we sing the song, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, the altars are open for you to come and do business.